This is Good Karma Wrestling. Welcome to another edition of GKW. I am Gabe Nigel from ESPN Milwaukee. He is Brian Rowitz from ESPN West Palm. We're hoping to be joined at some point, maybe later in the show, halfway through the show, uh, by our good pal from ESPN 1000 in Chicago, Jonathan Hood. So many things to talk about pro wrestling and where we have to start. And unfortunately... The persistent locker room issues that AEW just can't seem to shake at this point. And it's not because they still don't know what's going on with CM Punk and the elite, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. This time they have, well, a different uh, different issue. Reportedly uh, first broken by TMZ last night that there was a backstage fight uh, between, uh, between Sammy Guevara and Andrade El Idolo. Uh, some other stories that have come out since then that Sammy did not retaliate when he was had punches thrown at him. Again, punches thrown. Don't know if any of these punches were landed. Sammy's face looked generally okay when he was on television last night, so who knows? This all started because of interviews the both were, uh, that Andrade was doing, saying that Sammy complained that he hit too hard. Sammy tweets back, and you get tweets back and forth, and ultimately they confront each other backstage. And apparently Andrade's taking... The, the, the brunt of the heat here since he is the one who was sent home and did not even have his career versus mass match that was originally scheduled for Rampage. They have replaced that with a trios championship match. Brian, how concerned are you with the locker room AEW issues? Because it just took me two minutes to explain what the hell is going on. Yeah, I think that sums it all up. I mean, they went back and forth on social media. Andrade did this week say that, you know, he would say it to Sammy's face and punch him in the face. So I guess he's a man of his word, at least. But it feels like, you know, the uh, we always see the graphic like, oh, it's been X amount of weeks since an incident. It just happened. You saw this all play out. And Dave Meltzer says that apparently security was backstage. They were ready for this. How do you let something like this happen? Like, I feel like at this point, like someone shouldn't have been allowed there last night. Rampage, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but like is live on it's Friday, live. right? It's live on Friday because they've got Battle of the Belts right yeah, after okay. and they're gonna air both live back to back. So if Sammy's in the main event already for Dynamite, why not just tell Andrade, hey, we don't need you on Wednesday? Like give this a week to maybe cool over, give it two weeks, or maybe you don't book the other ones next week. Like part of this does fall on them. And from a concern standpoint, yeah, it is a little bit of a concern. Like you don't have to be best friends with everyone in the workplace. But you also can't be punching people in the face every other week. Like, there's an in-between those two extremes, <laughs> and AEW doesn't seem to be able to find that in the last few months. Well, the, and, and look, like, the fact – I don't like that Sammy Guevara – look, I understand maybe he wasn't in the wrong completely with the fight that happened last night. Maybe Andrade initially – you know, he's the one who initiated everything, and he's the one who threw punches. Maybe that's the truth. Maybe that's the actual thing that happened. But it's not like Sammy's completely innocent in all of this. He's just – he's not. And right. so for him then to get the pin in the main event – Last night was – that just kind of left me – it was certainly a choice that, that Tony Khan decided to make. But it was okay. I guess they're all in on Sammy Guevara. And my problem with this is – I mean, I guess there's two different things. Let's start with the Sammy part. This is now the second time that Sammy has gotten into it with somebody backstage. Right. He was suspended for the first one, and then it was eventually given the win um, over Eddie – Kingston. So he was, he ended up coming out on top on that one. I understand he's young. Maybe Jericho, who 
again, he's making comments out there as well about how nobody knew one of the founders of the company until I think Jericho came along. He could be shooting. He could be, who, who knows what Jericho's doing? But maybe Jericho just has his, you know, he, he's trying to protect Sammy Guevara and he's got him underneath the wing of Jericho and, and he's got a little bit more protection than Andrade does at this point. But there's, there's a Sammy issue here that needs to be addressed by Tony Khan and AEW because this is now the second time. Are we, what, are we just going to wait for the third time? We just right. gonna wait for Sammy to try to bait Brian Danielson into hitting him? Like, what are we gonna do? Yeah, that part definitely cannot be ignored. And I think the other part we can't ignore is the reports have been out there. Andrade wants out. Andrade has asked for his release. His wife works in the WWE, which is Charlotte Flair. And you know, Tony Khan has basically said, Hey, I'm not releasing anyone. So this was definitely one approach to say, Hey, maybe if I punch someone in the face, that'll get me fired, and then I can go out of my way. But it doesn't even seem like that's gonna be the case right now. So there's just so many things right now. And yes, they're a young company, but like these are still professionals. And there has to be a time where like you learn how to act like professionals, like just ignore each other, just do something else. Like this doesn't seem to be working right now, whatever is going on back there. Well, so that is the other part is the Andrade part. And I think that to me is more fascinating if you start peeling back layers, because I think the main that where it starts is the reports that Triple H has reached out to a number of AEW talents that he's got relationships with. And Andrade was the NXT champ when Triple H was running NXT. So I'm, and I'm so glad Jay Hood's for this conspiracy theory part that I'm laying out here. I'm so glad he could join us for this part. So Triple H could be playing chess versus the AEW checkers. Mm-hmm. So Triple H, maybe he has interest in Andrade, maybe he doesn't. But if he puts that bug in his ear and now Andrade does everything in his power to try to get out and that locker room becomes in shambles, Triple H is still winning. Like Triple H is still winning by by just planting those seeds of doubt by reaching out to all these, you know, and, and Andrade's doing his best Costanza right now. Like to me, Andrade's doing everything he can to try to get fired. And TK is just holding on for dear life, hoping that he doesn't actually have to fire Andrade at this point. But I think Triple H, Triple H is the one who is coming out on top of all this because again, he just whispered in the talent uh, of the ears of all that talent that he had when he was running NXT. Hey, I'm running things over here now. Maybe you come over to WWE, knowing full well that those guys probably aren't going to come over to WWE, but maybe they try to get out. Chaos ensues, and WWE can still maintain their and, and probably increase their advantage over AEW. It was this max exodus to get out because Vince was still in control. And so people thought the grass is always greener. We can get away from Vince and his terror as a booker and go to AEW, make a lot of money with a very light schedule. And so you come to find out that Triple H is back in power. It's like, oh, well, Triple H is cool. I'm going to try to break my contract and try to get myself fired to go back to the WWE. There's a couple of things that work with Andrade. Obviously, all of us wrestling fans know that he's married to Charlotte. Of course, you want to be close to your wife. The other thing is, too, with Andrade is, guys, if he's AW or WWE, he's still in the mid-card, and he is a talented wrestler. But I don't see him being at the top of the card if for Triple H or for Tony Khan. But the whole thing, though, the way that fight broke down is Sammy Guevara and, and Andrade going back and forth on social media. Apparently, from what we understand, you know, uh, Andrade threw the first punch, and Sammy just took it, and Andrade was sent home. So this whole thing with... Uh, the masked, uh, the masked man, number 10, I guess that, that match is going to take place now on, uh, on Rampage, the, the, the 10 guy. But, but ultimately, it comes down to this, guys. 
Like, like you have a contract. You left because you didn't want to be in the WWE anymore. Now you see uh, Triple H said, oh, well, that's the cool place now. You can't keep zigzagging back. And trying to get yourself fired, dude, he has been in neutral the whole time he's been in AEW. I mean, a neophyte booker. What do you think he's going to think? You think he's going to be at the top of the card? So, I mean, for all these guys, whether it's Buddy Matthews or whether it's a few others that look and say, man, it's cool over there again. You sign a contract. Deal with it. Yeah, and I think the other thing, like we talked about, yeah, like Andrade probably doesn't move up much with Triple H, but like there are going to be Bobby Fishes who think like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go back over there. And then you're an impact. So, like, you still need to sort of balance that. And, like, you know, we've talked a lot about how AEW has a bloated roster. The WWE, the way things are going, is going to be in that same boat if everyone just jumps ship over there. So it's well, weird that guys aren't seeing that. I'm like, oh, maybe I don't want to go over there. That's And, again, that's the beauty to me because Triple H I don't think is going to allow – because he's, he's got to, to answer to investors at the end of the day still, right? Like, he, at, at the end of the day – he can add some guys, you know, he's added back Braun Strowman, you know, he's added Karrion Cross to the main roster. We all think Bray Wyatt's coming back with this White Rabbit storyline. So he's able to still add some talent, but he's not going to be able to get to a bloated roster point because at some point that's going to look bad on the spreadsheet. He's got to, you know, put out their quarterly to the investors of WWE and the buyers of the WWE stock. But by just planting the seed, and maybe he planted the seed to, to Bobby Fish, and Bobby Fish went out, and Trip went. Actually, no, nah, I'm not interested, pal. And that's how you end up in Impact. Like, I don't know if Triple H is actually invest in, interested in any of these guys. I'm sure he is in some. I doubt he's interested in all. But if he reaches out to all of them, and a couple of them become malcontents, again, Triple H ends up winning whether he signs these guys or not. Because now AEW's in shambles. It's what we're talking about, and it puts me. I love all forms of professional wrestling. Like I love, I enjoy watching WWE, especially with the Triple H product. Now it's it's a lot more digestible than it was under Vince to me. I enjoy the AEW product for the most part, and I'm hoping it continues to grow again with Tony Khan and his booking. And, and I just you see all the potential. But what I enjoy most is that you have two legitimate companies right now where guys can go, and that competition is going to breed better things out of AEW, out of WWE. And if this crap keeps on happening within AEW. And again, it's not just, you know, it's not just one time after all out, we're seeing a punk gets upset. I mean, we've, we've had that. We've had Sammy and Eddie Kingston. We've had Sammy and Andrade. It's just like guys just can't control themselves right now. It looks bad and it's probably going to turn fans off to a project at some point. So they need to clean it up. Well, you say guys, it's really Sammy. Have we answered the question yet on the program? Why Sammy's a dick? Do we have do we have that on the, do we have that is that slotted in the topics because you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm waiting for that to for Brian to put that on the bottom <laughs> of the screen. Why is Sammy a dick? <laughs> I mean seriously, man. I mean, see, okay. I don't think either anybody on this show reads or looks at Sammy Guevara's blog. No. Or his vlog, I'm sorry, with a V, his vlog. Yes. Where <laughs> no. if you take a look at the title. years, is it 2013? Come on. Yeah, he, uh, <laughs> people are, it's popular apparently, right? He okay. Has Bro, it's go through it if you if you get a chance yeah. and just see the titles of his vlog. All of it is controversial. All of it is wink, wink, shoot, shoot. And it's kind of like, okay, Sammy, are you doing a Brian Pillman on us in which it's a shoot, but not really a shoot? Are you just trying to get our attention? Are you working us? Are you working the boys? I mean, I like that there's a gray area with him, but not to the point where you're actually fighting with the boys. Like if they're if you're working stuff with an Andrade, hopefully you can make money from it. All of these things, man, 
these personal issues can create money if you put it in the ring. Like with Sammy Guevara uh, and Eddie Kingston, guys, that was such a disappointment when they were on Rampage because it's like that's a real situation where Sammy called Eddie fat and Eddie was like, well, okay, you're supposed to clear that with me first. If you're gonna call me fat, that seems like some kind of wrestler code. Um, and so it's a re- it's also a code on this show, by the way. Uh, clear it with me first. Uh, nonetheless, I, I just look at, I look at it like this, like, but but I mean, that was a, a real issue. How come that wasn't on top of a pay per view or top of or the main event of Dynamite? I mean, these two don't like each other for real. Let's see them fight. Same thing with Andrade and Sammy. If there's a real problem, why was there a problem in D.C. in the back? Are you going to make money with this or is this some B.S.? But all of this stems from Sammy. And is Sammy working us? Is he trying to get more attention? All I know is this. The most excited that we've been as a a show about the TNT championship is when Sammy had it. Right? So so what I'm saying is is that he is a draw, like almost like a – mid-level MJF in that regard. Where he yeah, but I, I've kind of grown sick of it. I'm just tired yeah. of him and, and what he's doing at this point. And we've had, you know, I, when he initially got the TNT title and, you know, the inner circle was still a thing. It looked like he was leaving the inner circle, kind of going out on his own. I was into that. But him kind of running back to Jericho just weakened his character to the point where he's going to have to do something really strong to revitalize this, you know, this version of Sammy Guevara and every issue that he continues to have backstage continues to make me more disinterested in Sammy Guevara. Cause like at the end of the day, I, I fully believe that CM Punk wanted what's best for AEW mm-hmm. and he did it the absolute wrong way. hundred percent did it the wrong way. Right. Like, but at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure he cares. I know the young bucks care. They started the damn company. You know, all these other people that have issues, I think they care. I think Sammy cares about Sammy. That's what it appears That's what it appears to me. Like, you get into one fight with one guy. Oh, he's a young guy. Maybe he didn't know the, the fat thing with, with Eddie. Okay, whatever. But now you got to try to, like, stay out of it. And you go out looking for a fight because apparently you complained that you were getting hit too hard by Andrade, which, by the way, also makes Sammy look bad. Like, if you, you know, like Andrade saying that. So... I'm, I'm getting more and more out on Sammy as all these incidents pile up. Well, to show that, like, the way the crowd reacted last night, like, there was heat towards Sammy, but it wasn't the good heat. Like, it took over that match. It took oh. away from what should have been a good tag team match, the main event Dynamite last night, and it was that go-away heat towards Sammy. And, you know, it's not quite the stuff that was, you know, with Mello and the way they were doing things. Like, it is a different thing. And to your point, j like, looking at the blog, the vlog, sorry, like, there's one from one month ago where it says AEW All Out fight backstage, which I'm sure is just clickbait. But, hey, it got over 200,000 views. So good job on him. But this does ultimately, to me, go to the top. Like, we always hear stories about ECW and some of the brawls and some of the stuff those guys had backstage and how it was just sort of the wild, wild west. But ultimately, that might have led to their demise where, like, Paulie isn't correctly running things. Like, this ultimately, I think, falls on Tony where – it's playing out on social media. Like, I'm going back to that point because we all saw that this was going to happen. Andrade said, I'm going to punch you in the face. So maybe they could have found a way to avoid having those two in the same locker room. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, it's, it's like the story. Have you ever seen the meme of, uh, that people like to throw out there? Quote from Stabbed Guy. What are you going to do, stab me? Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know? you. This was what, what are we doing? You know? 
and Broads, you make a great point. You know the difference between the WWE audience and the AEW audience? The 3,000, 4,000 in that really loud building in Washington, D.C., were in on it because it's niche. Yeah. They, before they came in the building, like, oh, there was a fight, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to give Sammy crap. WWE in a 10,000-seat arena, and they draw about 75,000, 8,000 people. They would have been like, hey, what's going on? Right? Yeah. They, it, because it's families, and they're not into every storyline enough to be able to chant. You're right. If you watch Dynamite, there was a ton of heat on Sammy because everybody in that building, it wasn't big, but everyone in that building knew there was an incident and they were going to give him crap for it. It's, it's an interesting dynamic between the fan bases in the arena. Yeah. yeah, it's. But again, they have to keep, they have to clean it up. End of the day, AEW's got to clean it up and they've got to, you have to trust your professionals to act like professionals at the end well, of the day. Well, I mean, again, goes back to Tony Khan, doesn't it? Go yep. to Tony Khan. The, 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 the salient point that you make, Gabe, I don't know, seems pretty obvious to me. Uh, there's a problem on social media between these two. Make sure those two don't fight one another. Like, <laughs> is it babysitting? Yeah. But you know what? That's part of the communications business. Sometimes you do have to babysit. And they sat down and they spoke and they told them, Tony and the people in the back, do not fight. They fought. There you go. <sighs> All right, let's move on to the other top stories in the world of professional wrestling. I'm sure they're going to be more fun than more backstage drama at AEW. One star for that topic right there. Appreciate that. One of the other three. My background looks like a jobber's tights. One star. My background, for those that can't see our show, God bless you, you should be watching on Twitch. I got the one star because I'm at Illinois Media School Lombard in Lombard, Illinois. And they got the one star, like a jobber's tights. One star. Well, again, we'll have to do better to get more stars in the Meltzer rating system going forward. What are the top three stories in the world of professional wrestling? We call three count. What do we have at number one, Mr. Rose? All right, we'll start actually in the ring for AEW. Last night they celebrated three years on Dynamite. What is a word or phrase you would use to describe AEW Dynamite? <sighs> Boy, I mean, I've been thinking about this all day. And yeah. I, I'm 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 trying to come up with something that's because I, it just started with so much momentum and, and positivity and and really you know they did their best and I think they did a really good job making their way through the pandemic much like WWE did and it was tougher for AEW probably just because they were that much of a newer company you know starting in 2019 and then having to deal with the pandemic and all the shutdowns in 2020 and putting on all the show, the shows they did at Daly's place, I think was fantastic, but it goes back to, and, and maybe it, maybe we look back at the curse of forbidden door, because to me, that's when this whole thing started spiraling downwards for AEW. And I know they've been able to pop some ratings recently with MJF coming back. And, and that certainly has built some momentum positively, but I feel since that, when that happened and they had all the injuries to CM Punk and Brian Danielson and they couldn't have everybody they wanted for that show and they kind of paused so hot storylines that they have that that they had and we haven't seen reheated since FTR, Wardlow, guys of that nature. I, I just don't – I'm, I'm struggling to come up with something that maybe exudes hope but at the same time disappointment because it hasn't lived up to what I thought it could or should be at this point for the last four, five, six months. And also to throw out, just from a number standpoint, topped a million again last night, 1.038 million for Dynamite last night. It's a good number. 
And then again, so that's what, four out of five weeks, three out of four? Yeah. Which so, is great for them. So the word is scattershot. Hmm. The word is scattershot. That's a good one. And, 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 and the reason why that's the word that I came up with thinking you're right, Brian, uh, and Gabe, I was thinking about this all day too. Like what, how would I describe this without being insulting? And it is scattershot meaning that man, there's times where we've seen some pay-per-view quality matches when you didn't have to, by the way, cause you're AEW, you have your own night. You don't have to give us five-star matches, but you give it to us anyway. And I appreciate that. I want people to hear me cl- very clearly when I say this. It's cool that you give us great matches. At the same time, though, just some of the booking decisions are just kind of strange. And besides the drama with Sammy and CM Punk and the Young Bucks, all that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about just some of the booking decisions made by Tony Khan and, and Tony not listening to anybody, first, especially the first couple of years of Dynamite, is a problem. It's successful in that people come to the arena to see it. It's successful that they can draw when you can draw a million people somewhere between 900 and a million people every Wednesday against Major League Baseball and and politics and everything else is going on. That's pretty good when you can be number one in your time slot. But it doesn't stop the show from being like sometimes strange. How often have we talked on GKW where it's like banger of a match at the beginning, pretty solid main event at the end. And then all of a sudden. Here's a women's match that you don't really need. Or here's somebody from NXT that was on the bottom of the roster and that person's wrestling in the semi-main. It's like, what, what, what? I mean, ultimately, what should be on Rampage sometimes ends up on Dynamite. And so, and, and so that's my disconnect, Gabe, with that. Yeah, and, and again, it's, it's sometimes they overbook themselves. Like I remember very early when we started shows that there was – you know, both CM Punk and Brian Danielson like used the same move in a very similar manner, kind of like the way we see. You know, Blackpool Combat Club now uses the you know the the elbow anvils on on everybody. Like that's part of what the BCC does. And I thought, oh, maybe there's a connection there. And you wisely pointed out, like, no, that's just they shouldn't have loved, allowed them to do that. So then last night, the first two matches both end with the same. Will he shake the hand and observe the code of honor story? Like you did it once don't need to run it back 20 minutes later. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, you want to have the variety and, and too many times they kind of put themselves in this corner of telling similar stories that are parallel to each other. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that part. And like, I was going to say the same thing, like those first two matches were identical, but to me, like, and maybe I look at it more of a positive outlook. Like the phrase I use is best for business. I think they've made everything better. They've given wrestlers options. Like, they brought CM Punk back. Brian Danielson has somewhere to go. Claudio has somewhere to go where he can just wrestle. Samoa Joe. Like, those guys can go out there and wrestle now. From a WWE competition standpoint, I think Triple H taking over would have pushed them regardless of if there was an AEW. I think he, you know, is more new school than Vince. I think he would have moved them forward. But just sort of having those options and us having the opportunity to watch so many of these guys and girls go out there and just put on those bangers. We're like, all right, this is fun to watch wrestling again. I think that is the best part from a wrestling standpoint, because if it were just WWE and, you know, an impact, those guys aren't going to these other companies. Like AEW is a legit second option. And because of that, we get so much great wrestling. But yes, I agree with what you guys are saying. There's been a lot of confusion when it comes to booking. I mean, last night's the perfect way where you have those first two matches. You see the Wardlows and FTRs that are so damn over. And it's like, hey, let's throw them in an eight-man match against four guys that you haven't seen on TV maybe ever. 
So you do have that sort of stuff going on at the same time, but it's nice to see just good wrestling week to week. Yeah. And, and look, yeah, more often than not, when we get to the end of the show and you go, what's your match of the week? More often than not, I feel like the matches I'm choosing are coming out of AEW. And now it's time for the company to continue to grow. And I'm not saying you have to have necessarily sports entertainment in terms of the angles that you tell, but you have to have better stories, right? right. Like you have to have these stories, like the one they're telling with MJF right now, if, if I'm going to criticize a lot of the other stuff, like what they've got going on with MJF right now is pretty damn compelling. And maybe that fell under their lap, but I mean, what they're telling with MJF is compelling. We just need more of that. And just, just to try to find that little more consistency, not everything you put out there is going to be a home run. Not every, I mean, for years and years, we've complained about WWE and their lack of long-term storytelling. And now Triple H has hired somebody who used to work for Marvel to help with long-term continuity storytelling, which is, a, a, again, a great step forward. But not everything, it's pro wrestling. It's just like any other TV series, especially like when you think back in the 90s, 2000s, when networks were putting out 20-plus episode seasons. Not all those are worth watching. Some of them are bad ideas. Some of them are tremendous. You know, not every idea you're going you're, you're to throw out there is going to be a home run, but AEW just needs to get more consistent with the really good ones that they put out there. Well, well one thing, this, know, one thing Brian, like, I, the acclaimed, like, you know, I think they're the example. Like, the acclaimed last night, National Scissoring Day, might have been one of the best segments in TV history, not just wrestling. I'd say TV history. Wow. But are either of you confident that we're going to get a great payoff down the line with the claim? Like, it yeah. fell in their lap. They're over. But, like, I don't know where this is going to go. Yeah. I um, I really like that scissors segment, as a matter of fact. It's an old school wrestling fan. Actually, that entertainment, I was not in, uh, insulted at all. I didn't think it was – I think it was just the right amount of length, and I think it was uh -huh. fun. Um, yeah, it was cheeky. It was yeah. – they knew – I mean, and again, having Billy Gunn there with, you know, again, I mean, he's had experience or two with innuendo in his professional wrestling career. He knows how to kind of, you know, straddle that line the best way he can, and, and he added to the segment. Like, yes, that was – and that was more sports entertaining – but it was so much fun. It was a, it was just a blast. And you could tell that everybody in the arena was into it while they were yeah. doing it. It was spectacular. You could tell by the signs. It looked like 1997 in there. All the right. signs and <laughs> all of the scissors and stuff. I'm like, Because we didn't see that. We saw right. a couple of signs pop up. But then when they came out, all the signs came up and all the hoopla. I'm like, wow, this is great. I, I, I enjoyed that. But those are some of the good things about AEW for sure. The matches have been, you know, the, again, when you put a match on, the beginning or the end, they've done a really good job with that. But here's the one thing I learned about Dynamite. I learned that Dynamite's not about long-term long storytelling. It's about matches. And it's an alternative to WWE in that regard, guys. As much as we say, put a story together, make it make sense. Why is ROH here? How, how in the hell is the best wrestler in the world you know, uh, from Japan coming in in Independence, Missouri, in the middle of a card? Like, what, what's going on? You just can't just slap talent together and just put them on a card and say, here's the card. I mean, there's got to be a story behind it. And sometimes that irks me, but I do like the action for the most part. So my question to you then, is that sustainable? Can they sustain where they are and can it continue to be a legitimate alternative, not com not competitor necessarily, but alternative to WWE where they're drawing in 900 K to a million fans every week 
Warner Brothers Discovery is going to be happy with it and continue to give them the TV deal. And then that gives, with that money, they're able to pay and be a true alternative to bring in some talent that maybe doesn't fit WWE or young up-and-coming talent. Like, it, can it actually be a place that is sustainable under that model of, yeah, maybe the storytelling's not great, but they put on bangers? Yes. Yes, yes it can. And, I, and here's how I know. You bring people to the arena on a Wednesday night and then people to the TV on Wednesday night and you're drawing that. I, I don't care what Eric Bischoff talks about with WCW. Those, oh, they only got 990000 only got a million. Dude, there's so many options out there to be able to – I mean, streaming and TV and, and digital, radio, everything else. And so to, for, to bring that many eyeballs to the TV, yes, I think it is sustainable. I, I really do. But also, I think that, that Dynamite's got to grow up a little bit. The first thing they found out is, bro, it's, oh, we're on cable? Oh, we can swear. Right. We can swear. <laughs> what happened now? Everything's getting bleeped out because right. uh, Warner was like, what are you guys doing? You think you can just MF all, all the way through a show just because it's on cable? What are you, idiots? No. No more than they had to clean up their act. They, that's dumb. I mean, just because you're on cable – doesn't mean that you can use every swear word, every single segment, announcers, referees, wrestlers, dogs, cats, and everyone else. It's just so ridiculous what they were doing. But they'll learn, they'll learn how to clean up their act. And I think it's they're gonna be better for it. I feel like the next year or two, we will learn they're gonna go one of two ways. They're either gonna be, <clears throat> excuse me, legit WWE competition and they're gonna get closer and maybe you know we see them approach that two million, or they're gonna be ROH when Cody and the Bucks were there. They sold out the garden. There was some buzz around ROH, but they were nowhere close to being legit WWE competition. It was great for wrestling fans. It was that very inner niche of like, okay, we're going to watch ROH, but that's it. They're not going to be in the pop culture. So like the next year or two, I think we'll determine which way they go. They got to learn, Gabe. I mean, yeah. I mean, your first couple of years of Dynamite, you brought in Snoop Dogg and Mike Tyson and Shaq. Shaq. Oh, man, Shaq taking that bump was sick, man. Shaq taking that Cody bump was great. And you drew flies. <laughs> you like you know what happens when a wrestling show? Put wrestlers on it, and all of a sudden you get a broad number. They use the celebrities where it's kind of like, eh, it was just okay. Yeah, that's, again, knowing who you are, and I think figuring out that identity is only going to help AEW going forward to give, again, that consistency of you know what you're going to see when you tune in every Wednesday and sometimes Friday night. What do we got at number two on the three count? Monday night on Raw, the WWE will celebrate the 25th anniversary of D-Generation X. Guys, where does DX rank on your all-time faction list? I mean, they got to be up there. I mean, they, especially because they're going to be, they, they've been so celebrated by WWE. Like, I can't think of anybody else who has been celebrated this way because the guys are willing to come back. Like they would, I mean, they, they clearly would celebrate rock this way. If you would come back as often as I mean, it helps that one of the members, well, the two founding members of DX work for the company. One runs NXT, the other's now running the whole kit and caboodle. But, you know, th but even before that, Vince was bringing these guys back and, and they were always a mainstay. Anytime they had a big episode of Raw, the Raw 1000, the, you know, whatever, anytime they're doing any sort of anniversary show, it seems like DX was going to show up because Vince clearly gave recognition that, hey, DX is a big reason that we were able to go up over WCW. They led the invasion of WCW, which is one of the more iconic Monday Night Raw movements where they were on the tank, knocking on the door. And I know, speaking of Eric Bischoff, he said, I should have put him on. I should open the door and had him on our television. Maybe that changes things. But 
I, in terms of factions, they're they're up there. I mean, they even though their run isn't as long as you think it was, and if you watch a lot of the documentaries WWE's put together, it's a very short run. But I, they're certainly, especially because they were so good during the when I was growing up watching wrestling. And the the crotch chop still lives on today. I had to teach Mark Chimura what that was. He's like, hey, what's this thing? What, what did everyone call that? I go, the crotch chop? And Jen Latta, my other co-host, goes, oh, the suck it? So, oh, my God. You know so she knew what that was. She's yeah, a wrestling fan. Yeah, you know so, yeah. so, yes, again, the crotch chop lives on forever. It's immortal. So I would, I would say they're in the top five. Okay. Okay, so a faction originally was put together so someone could be able to spin out of that faction and be a single star or a tag team star. That's, that's what factions originally, that was the reason why wrestling had factions. And so, you know, as, as much as I like the history of wrestling, it'd be hard-pressed to say that DX is not one of the top factions of all time. One of the reasons why is because, I don't know, they're still alive. <laughs> they're still they're all of them are still alive. They can still I mean well, except for one. Uh, yeah. Bill, who? China. China. Oh, for heaven's sake. She was on the outside. I mean that, I mean ah she was a part of it though. Yeah, right. Well well she was a she was an original member. She was the muscle of the group. Yeah. Uh, I guess so. I I guess so. <laughs> I, I, I look at Joni as Intercontinental Champion. That's what I look at her. Yeah. I don't, mm-hmm. That's what I, that's what I see her beating Jeff Jarrett. That's what I see. <laughs> um, think about it, man. So I was thinking about this today too. Like because these guys are still pretty, they're still um, noticed and beloved. It was DX against the NWO in the height of the Monday Night Wars. And the NWO just kept expanding and kind of watered it down. That's why DX is better than NWO, because even though NWO is still selling merchandise in Japan, crazy, um, and some are stealing their logo, uh, GKW. What are you doing? You don't have to say the quiet part out loud. We're not going to get sued. But, you know, guys, I would say that DX has to be right there, because I'm thinking about, like, the Heart Foundation and the Freebirds and the Heenan family and the Bullet Club and the Nation of Domination. And I think about today with the Bloodline. Guys, How do you, you not mention those digits? I mean, Game through up the four. How do you not mention them? The four. Yeah, that's on here. The Four Horsemen's on okay. here as well. And that got watered down after a while, too. I mean, yeah. the originals are the originals, but then when you start throwing. Uh, Sid Vicious and Paul Roma in there doesn't become the sportsman anymore. It becomes something completely different. But the reason why they always love DX is because, for the most part, it, it stayed together. It's that group. Yeah, they're going to be missing Billy because he's because uh, he's scissoring people now. He's <laughs> he's scissoring me, Daddy. Here, he's doing. Well. <laughs> uh, but but still, we'll always remember how good that group was. So yeah, I mean, it's like I can, like I said, I can go all the way back to the old school, but. Even the Bullet Club, it's changed so often. You don't know who's in the Bullet Club now, really. So, yeah, they'd definitely be in the top three all time in the business. Yeah, I agree with top three because I think, yeah, to Gabe's point, like when you look back, like everyone looks back on the Attitude Era when you grew up during it. It's like, oh, this is the greatest of all time. Like, this is everything you remember. You know, they mentioned in their Hall of Fame speech, like apologizing for all the kids that got in trouble for doing it at school. Uh, guilty, I'm part of that crowd. <laughs> in trouble once. But, like, those things like having an impact are such a big deal. And it is weird seeing not just that they're alive, but just like that they're management now. 
Like, we don't see that with a lot of factions or just wrestlers in general where it's like they go from the stars to running the thing. <laughs> How so, crazy is that? They, they were the anti-establishment guys, and now they are the establishment. They are it. Like, they're running everything under the WWE umbrella, which is insane. So they're up there. Like, I think it's them, NWO, like, one, two, whichever way you want to put them. I think you have to put the horsemen there. And I do think Bullet Club is interesting because I think a lot of what we see today, and we talked about AEW a lot today, is because of the Bullet Club. So you think about them, just their impact, like seeing the shirts at Hot Topics and just random stores. Like I think it led to All In. It led to the AEW and sort of that impact. And DX just getting the WWE the win, I think, is such a big part that shaped the wrestling landscape to what it is today. Do we see an interaction between the Bloodline and DX on Monday night? Sure. Who goes over? Well, I mean, Hunter can't get physical, so... Yeah, well, he can't get physical, but can he go up and, and spit water out? Is he healthy enough to spit the water out and do crotch chops and go up and down the the rink? Is he okay to do that? Yeah. I mean, if this were a Vince Raw, DX is going over. They're embarrassing the bloodline, and you're killing all that momentum. But now that it's a new WWE, like Roman taking out Road Dog or Sammy taking out X-Pac, like – Give the bloodline oh, that shine. Please. <laughs> now I'm praying for Sammy to take out X-Pac. I just want a Haluva kick in the corner to, to X-Pac. That's all. That's what that – don't hey, – I'm not asking for much, Hunter. Just give me that Monday night on Raw on the season premiere. That's all I'm asking for. But where would you where would you put the bloodline on that list? Or do you not think of the bloodline as much of a faction? Do you think of it more as just Roman? No, no. I mean, what, because the Usos have been with Roman, mm-hmm. they are a formidable uh, faction. I love that Solo Sokoa is on there because it, now it's almost old school. That four guys and now five guys with Sammy. I like that because that means that's an iron wall. You can't get pat. You can't get to Roman. You got to get through all these other guys before you can get to Roman. I like that. That's really the essence of the Four Horsemen in a lot of ways, right? You got to get through Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, or Ole Anderson before you can get to the champ, Ric Flair. And so that same type of um, same type of booking is happening, I think, right now with the with the bloodline. I'll, and Paul Heyman on top of that, too. Very Horseman-esque in that regard. Yeah, I guess because they were, like, in it. Like, I, never, I didn't think about them at all. But I think maybe when we step back and, you know, depending how long this Roman reign goes, depending how long the Usos tag title run goes, like – I think ultimately we might look back as them sort of being the face of the new WWE, you know, depending on what the future of Triple H is. All right. I guess I'll throw this out there just quickly. Better Roman faction, the Shield or the Bloodline? The Bloodline. Uh, I was going to go the Shield mainly because of what those three became, which I don't know if that's fair to the Shield, but well, three stars there. I don't know of too many factions, and granted, they're, they're, they're only three, so they have that advantage. But I think they're the only three that have all been right. the top champ, where they've won the main prize. I mean, they, and they all held it on the same night. They passed it around and hot potatoed it on the night that Dean Ambrose, now John Moxley, won his his WWE championship. Well, all I can tell you is is that um, with the Bloodline, I got uh, an all time great tag team championship combination with the Usos, and I got Roman Reigns on a Hogan run, and Seth Rollins. Well. He was part of uh, a faction once upon a time too. I guess he's okay. Guess he guess he's making it. Really, the third of the three from the Shield, quite frankly. Moxley and 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 listen, 
Gabe, you're a big Moxley guy. Mm-hmm. He is ready for his legacy now. Now he's champion again. Uh, he is really one of the faces of AEW, if not the face of AEW. Roman's taking over. And then Seth. Hmm. Yeah. There. It's crazy because he was the first one who had the championship when he came in and stole it in one of the bigger mania moments of the last decade or so. And he was the surprise entrance. And he is, I would agree, he's the one who's kind of been left behind a little bit by the other two. All right. Well, at least, I mean, just a note, I mean, at least the bloodline probably will have a second world champion down the line. So we've got that to throw out there. Ready for number three? Who, who, who are you talking about? Who, who, He's who? saying Sammy. God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> you know no. what? I've had enough of you. Candy <laughs> break. <laughs> I've had it. What do we have at number three? (laughs) Saturday night, WWE Extreme Rules will take place. What are you guys most looking forward to at Extreme Rules? So as of right now, and I don't know if they're going to add anything on SmackDown on Friday night, but you have six matches. Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey, Extreme Rules match for the women's uh, SmackDown Women's Championship, Riddle versus Seth freaking Rollins with Daniel Cormier as a special guest referee in a fight pit match which I'm still not quite sure what that means. Um, Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross in a strap match. Bianca Belair taking on Bailey in a ladder match for the Raw Women's Championship. Edge versus Finn Balor in an I Quit match. And a six-man six man tag team good old-fashioned Dottie Brook match with the Brawling Brutes and Imperium. So with only six matches, this is kind of lining up like the majority of other WWE non-big five events, I would say right now. And and maybe it's six events if you throw in the Saudi events because those are going to have some bigger matches because of, well, what the Saudi prince decided he wanted to give WWE. He's got to get his money's worth. Gotcha. Otherwise, bad things happen. So, um... <laughs> really? I, I didn't see that. Where, where <laughs> I mean, uh, I, they may or may not have hijacked the plane, kept it grounded. Ah, we don't, that, you can, you can Google that one if you want. That's um, right. It is. Oh, yeah. Um, but it, but with just six matches, you don't have Roman, you don't have the bloodline, you don't have that's the main thing. You don't have either of your secondary titles, which you have been treating so well on this card. So, I mean, the, the, the IC champ is in the, the Donnie Brook. You don't have Bobby Lashley booked for this card. He's booked for Monday Night Raw to take on Seth Rollins. So it, it kind of becomes like we were talking about before with WWE. It's, it's a premium live event. It's a house show that they're going to put on Peacock. I, if, if I had to pick one that I guess I'm looking forward to, um, I guess the strap match, just because we haven't seen Karrion Cross wrestle since he's come back, really. So, And I'm curious to see if they put him over Drew McIntyre because they gave Drew such a push to get him ready for Roman when he ultimately lost in class of the castle. What I'm hoping, Browitz, is that we are not disappointed by the Brutes and Imperium. That should be an ass kicker. Based on what we saw in the last pay per view with uh, the former Walter uh, Gunter, and uh, who's now all caps too, by the way, much like Walter used to be. Oh, really? So Gunter. Gunter. Well, no, no, it's all caps. It's Gunter. Gunter. You got to give it. Yeah, you got to give it with it's all caps. You got to yell it more than you know. Gunter, goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. You get it. Yes, yes, you get it. Yes, that thank you. should be the match. That that should be. First of all, that should be physical. But I, 
I don't know. Did you guys see it was NXT toward the end? Did you guys see the first uh, pit match? I saw it. Did you guys I see did it? Not, no. I, I feel like I did, but I don't remember anything of it. It was Timothy Thatcher in that match. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, they showed it in the in the they promo the, of yeah. the fight day. It, it was a, that's, actually, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good innovation. Um, and now, I think that Riddle and Rollins, again, how, how about this for an idea? Those two legitimately don't like each other. Let's put them in the ring and let's make money. Hello, AEW. Those two actually don't like each other. And this whole thing where Rollins is talking about Riddle's family and all that, that's a shoot. And that's uncomfortable. And that's what wrestling is supposed to be. And then Riddle's talking about, hey, Rollins, the last time you won a world championship, you're not the guy. And then Rollins talks about that in interviews, which we'll get to a little bit later. But that's personal issues make money. Guess what? That's it. So I think that I'm hoping that we see a good Imperium Brutes match. So to your point, Gabe, like, yes, I agree. This card sort of looks like a house show. But, like, I have more confidence that it's going to be an entertaining wrestling night. The weird thing, though, without the big titles is I'll throw this out there. What main events on Saturday? Well, you didn't have that as a topic. I didn't. I was not prepared. <laughs> I was not prepared for such I mean, questions. look at this card. Like, what is it? Is it is it the fight pit? Is it the Raw <sighs> women's title in the ladder match? First time ever women's title defended in the ladder match? Bianca versus Bailey. That's the one I'm kind of leaning towards. That, they got a lot the- of time on Raw. They ended the show. They were, they were involved in, what, three segments on Raw? Yeah. That's, no, that's the opener. Okay. See, I thought, I thought Liv and Ronda would be the opener. Oh, that's the mid, that's the middle of the card. Yeah, you got to bury that one. I, I would give Donnie Brooke to open. Wait a minute. Poor Liv Morgan. My God. She can't get over with anybody on this show. <laughs> I mean, she showed the, the women bigger. She was she came off the top on a, a off of a off of the top of rope and onto a table, and she's still yeah. not over. Jeez. Oh well. Ed versus Finn. Can you main event with that? Something no. has to close the show. <laughs> Okay, so fight, uh, so uh, so the pit fight match. That's the main event. Okay, I, I still they they've put. It seems like they've put in a lot on damage control. They've been featured so much on both SmackDown and Raw. I say that closes the show. But I'm also curious to see if they actually put Bailey over. Yes. Well, it's time, isn't it? I mean, if she doesn't, if she doesn't win. Doesn't damage control kind of lose all the momentum you've been building for them since since yeah, they first the, showed up? On the other side, if Bianca does win, doesn't that elevate her even more and add to her star power? But then who who does she beat next? I think they're out of people. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's that part. <laughs> I think she's had a nice one. She's had a nice she one. Has. A, she has. She has. And, and I'm not saying that she she should end it. What I'm saying is like you know, you got you got to think about damage control. Like Bailey's back and she's healthy, and it's been so much outside interference with this whole thing. It's been driving me crazy. Had so much outside interference with these matches. Like, so let these two go at it, and I think it might be time for Bailey to win the title because then all three women have championships. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. yeah. That looks good. That looks good in yeah. the promo. Yeah, I mean, it looked really good to close Raw, again, with Bailey on top holding the Raw Women's Championship and the other two on the opposite rungs of the ladder holding the tag team titles. It looked 
I thought it looked really good. I would like to see it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I would like to see Bailey win just because I think that furthers that story. And you can always have, look, I, I just feel like at this point, Bianca's reached it where, and it's probably the same thing with Bailey, but because she has the other younger people with her and they're trying to elevate that faction, like Bianca's a legit star. Like she doesn't, she loses the title. Like you can heat her up like that in an instant. And, you know, maybe she ends up on SmackDown and, and she can challenge Ronda or do something different like that. Like there, there's so many different things you can do with Bianca because she's a legitimate star within WWE. Tell you one thing, the Bailey almost broke Bianca's neck pulling that, that, uh, pulling that braid the way she did. Do you see that fall, that bump she took? I'm like, whoa, hang on a second. You you almost ended that match because, you know, the way that uh, the way that Bianca fell backwards there, that was tough. But, you know, I, I, I want them to go at it, and if Bailey wins, I think that looks good for this new faction. I know all three of us were pretty surprised when we saw all three together. Like, this is an interesting faction, and so far – I think they've delivered. I did, yeah, but I will yeah. tell you about Raw. I did not like the main event there. I, I think that there's just too much in, outside interference, um, and the ratings will show you that people were not into that main at the yeah. end. Because I was looking for a change there. Dude, would you? Did you think that uh, that Bliss was going to turn heel? I did. Isn't she? Oh yeah. Heel? Well, so especially after she she got that look on her face that I feel like she like that anger look that you saw a little bit more when she was doing the stuff with Bray Wyatt, when she looked into the camera and challenged EO to the, to the match. Like, Oh, there's some anger here. There's some, there's some, all right, let's, let's see where this goes. And then it just yeah, <laughs> went nowhere. Yeah. News and notes. What do we got? B-R-I? We have plenty. We'll start on the somber side earlier this week. Antonio Inoki, the legend passing away at the age of 79 years old. Yeah, so the best way I can describe Anoki is more over than Hogan, more over than Stone Cold Steve Austin in Japan, and uh, for so that I mean, so obviously more eyeballs in Japan. I, I mean, that's that's one thing. But the other thing is too is that it's it's, it's such a long story, but I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it's a long lineage. As a matter of fact, Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer said it's going to be probably like 20 pages, the bio uh, on what happened to Anoki in his career, which is crazy. But here's a guy here that um, not only a terrific wrestler, but also a great promoter uh, who also was the uh, was ran his own company. It was governor. Is that is that what it is? I think I know like he was a politician uh, in that yeah. country as well. So, I mean, just crazy um, a career for Anoki. He wrestled in the United States. Uh, it was in that boxing match, boxing wrestling match against Muhammad Ali, which was nonsense <laughs> you know japan thought it was over i don't think we thought it was over in, in the united states at the time but uh just a, a great legend who's passed away man just uh, uh, just uh, one of the top 10 wrestlers of all time in the business and Antonio Inoki passing away yeah i mean he's he's someone that i again because of the age that there's a disconnect for me like i didn't know as much about him and certainly have continued to learn more and more about him i can't wait for dave Meltzer to kind of put that out there um, so you can continue to read because I, it's so hard. You don't want people like that to get lost to history. So to have, you know, be able to read more and more and more about him. I think it's only good for every, you know, young, younger wrestling fan to, to learn as much as they can. I think about somebody that, again, if, if Jay Hood's telling me this guy's top 10 all time, I have no reason to doubt that. And I want to learn more about him. No question about it. 
Elsewhere, plenty of wrestlers with plenty of stuff to say this week. FTR following their match against Aussie Open in New Japan said, quote, Tony Khan, we still work for you. Book us, brother. It was announced last night they will defend the ROH tag titles on Friday at Battle of the Belts against Gates of Agony. Poopst. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so I have yet to see the match, uh, but apparently they put on a banger of a match with Aussie Open um, on on in the New Japan card, first time they had defended their New Japan Pro Wrestling Tag Team titles, the IWGP Tag Titles, and apparently it was hell of a match. Wish I could have seen it, and it's it's unbelievable because as over as the acclaimed are, and we talked about that segment earlier about how great it was. The other thing is, you know who else is super over? FTR, book them, put them in something meaningful. Stop having them with Warbo. I like Warbo too. Give him something meaningful. How hard is this? They're- I believe the note going around, they have not had a tag team match on Dynamite since May. They've How is that possible? Matches, they've had six mans. They've not had tag team matches. How is this possible? No idea. They're the best tag team in the world. Yep. Bad booking. Yeah. That's why. Bad booking. We say this all the time on GKW. When you have a tag team with three sets of cha- championships, they are the tag team champions. Nothing against the acclaimed. It's just that the point is that FTR is the best tag team in the world right now for me. And you know what's was so strange is I was reading on social about their matchup against Aussie Open, FTR, and I'm like, there's got to be a link. Where is it? Where is it? And it's like, oh, there is no link. I saw pictures, and I saw like isolated videos, but I'm like, I want to see this match. Um, Will Ospreay called it the best tag team match he's ever seen. You got a link? Bro, nope. Gotta, I know. Uh, David, I was talking no. like, I tried looking on YouTube. I've not found it yet. <laughs> yeah. It's very frustrating because I want to see that because I'm a tag team wrestling mark, and I know FTR probably gave their all, and we can't see it. And it's, <laughs> that's, it's We know they're fresh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and but again, Tony Khan, right? We talk about it, about dynamite problems. Well, how come those guys are not on TV? Why not? Do you don't have time for great tag team wrestling? Nonsense. You get them against Gates of Agony on Friday. You know the very popular Gates of Agony team. Who who are those two? Uh, oh, I was hoping you knew either of their names. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping somebody else could tell me. I just knew the tag team name. That's Uh, all all the information I have. Gates of Agony. Is that a New Japan tag team? No, they're the guy. They came in on the Dallas Ring of Honor show with Tully as like his big surprise guys. And everyone's like, who are these guys? Got it. Because they were on Dynamite, right? Weren't they on Dynamite under Prince Nana? They're with Nana and Brian Cage, yes. Why is Prince Nana on my TV? Like, (laughs) out of nowhere with the headdress. I'm like... I know who that guy is. I'm like, what? what right. What's going? On? See you know what I mean? Like, why? That's that's why God made Rampage. Right. Like, like <laughs> stop. What? Like, who's going to know who that is? This hodgepodge of people. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Sticking with AEW, Chris Jericho on AEW Unrestricted says that AEW probably wouldn't have grown so fast without him. Says he was the bridge the audience seeing. Guys said, "quote." Nobody really knew Cody at that point, referring to the start of Dynamite. Also added, as much buzz as Kenny and Nick and Matt Jackson had, they were still mostly just regional guys. They were worldwide stars, but when it comes to national TV in the States, they didn't have any experience with that. All right. All right. All right, a couple things. Is it true? Yes. I mean, the reason why Jericho being there and the reason why they made Jericho the champ 
is because they wanted to connect to that larger, more generic wrestling audience, right? That's why when you open up your first ever Dynamite, Chris Jericho is your champ off of All Out. You know, when you, when you open a month later in October, everybody knows Chris Jericho. That's why he's your champ. Great. That being said, people knew who the hell Cody Rhodes was. Like him and the Young Bucks put together the first 10,000-person show outside of WWE in, what, 20 years? When they put out All In in Chicago. Like Cody had built his name up. Now, was he as recognizable as Jericho? No, of course not, because Chris Jericho is Chris Jericho. But people knew who Cody Rhodes was. Like people knew who the Young Bucks were. They knew who Kenny Omega was when they tuned into that first Dynamite. Yeah, so I can agree with half of that and disagree with the other half. To suggest that no one knows who the son of Dusty Rhodes is, is nonsense. I mean, he was on WWE TV. Yeah, his gimmick was bad, but you knew who he was. So that's nonsense. Young Bucks, okay. Depending on the city, depending on the market, I'm sure some did not know who uh, the Young Bucks were. Chicago, of course. They wrestled in the Indies of Chicago, New York, New Jersey, California, definitely. They sold out the garden. Yeah, so they know who they are. So, so I just think that, that was that's a weird comment. Um but maybe in other cities in this country, they're like young bucks. What is it? Maybe they don't know the lineage. But if you are an independent wrestling fan, no matter where you are in this country, in North America uh, and in Japan, you know who they are. You definitely know who they are. So, but does Jericho have the the um, does he have the star power come off of WWE TV because of all the championships he's won and everything he's done? Yes, I get that. Yes. I don't know why he thought he'd want to take the interview time to tell everybody how great he was. Was he doing a heel promo in an interview Maybe. or is he just telling the truth? He gets a little work shooty sometimes, and it just seems really strange for him to kind of toss the young bucks under the bus like that especially everything else going on in the broader AEW landscape. It just seems a little strange to me that he would do that. So maybe he's. Well, that's Curry favor with his boss, because if you're going to say that about the young bucks, that means you're not going back to uh, WWD anytime soon. Clearly you're an AEW guy now because, you know, the young bucks are still part of the company, but I know that there's some disenchantment with the young bucks about what happened or in Kenny Omega and all that. But, um, I don't know if you should have went there. I mean, Young Bucks is still part of the company. They're just not around. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. <sighs> Interesting. In the WWE world, news out today. New announced teams coming to the shows, for, I guess, in advance of season premieres. Raw will be Kevin Patrick with Corey Graves. Jimmy Smith is out. SmackDown, Michael Cole with Wade Barrett. And NXT will see Vic Joseph with Booker T. I'm sad that Jimmy Smith is out. I really enjoyed him, and, and maybe it was just because the Adnan Verk experiment really didn't work well, because Adnan was thrown into the deep end and was allowed to drown, I guess. They, like, didn't really help him out, and they brought in Jimmy, and immediately, like, that first week that he was on Raw, like, it just seemed like he brought legitimacy to that broadcast, and I've really enjoyed him, and I'm... I, for one, am sad that he is not going to be the lead announcer on Monday Night Raw anymore. With Barrett, it's interesting because... We know that's a temporary role. We know after college football season that Pat McAfee is going to be coming back to SmackDown. Are they going to go three-man booth? Like, I'm, I'm curious to see what ends up happening there. Okay, so when I first saw this come out, I was saying, boy, Kevin Patrick's a play-by-play guy? 
I didn't know that. Did yeah. you? Anybody on no. the show? I didn't know that. And I, I thought that that was strange. I mean, for what it's worth, Monday Night Raw still is the flagship show of of WWE. Whatever right. you think. I mean, it's, still, it's like Kevin Patrick. Not saying that he can't. I've never heard him do play-by-play. Apparently he's and, doing main events. Oh, is he? That's what I read in the stories, that apparently he's been doing main events. Very, very heavy UK on the broadcast on Ron SmackDown, which is a switch. You don't get that very often. I think that's interesting. And Corey Graves is there. No, he's a lifer. So, I mean, yeah. I got I to gotta deal with him no matter what. Uh, three hours of that is going to be interesting. Um, but then Barrett, and, and, and Barrett's been good for a long time. I mean, I just, um, when he came back to wrestling, he was at the NWA and, and uh, Triple H saw him on NWA TV. He's like, hey, I need you over here. He has a nice job. He, I think yeah. he's very solid uh, with Michael Cole. So, But I think, Gabe, I think you're right. I think that I could see Wade going back to NXT. Booker T is not a, a long-time fixture. No. I think he'll go back to NXT when McAfee's done with college football. But I just – the Kevin Patrick thing I thought was interesting because I didn't know that he could do play-by-play. And the first time that I can remember a uh, someone from the U.K. as a lead announcer – on Raw or SmackDown in the history of the of those shows. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is fair. Interesting choice. Uh, that oh, is it for the, news and notes. And uh, oh, by the way, so also on this on the podcast feed, I uh, you know, Vice TV has its brand new um, series that they have. Right, bro? It's yep. on Vice TV. That the Rock is the executive producer on. Yes. Tales so, from yeah, the territories. That. Yeah, check out David's reaction to that on the podcast page. Yeah, so that's so you can. I'm gonna watch each one of those and kind of go back. Uh, the first one is about Memphis wrestling. Uh, if you guys get a chance to watch that, it's a great companion piece to that show on Vice. Uh, and then you can listen to the podcast and you, you get my reaction to it. Uh, Memphis wrestling was crazy. Um, there's Eddie Gilbert actually ran over Jerry the King Lawler with a car. One one take in one take he did that. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine you're over Jerry the King and they're like, hey, can we do that again? <laughs> On live TV, one take, you hit him with a car. Um, that's how wild Memphis wrestling was. And just the one thing about the reason why they're doing that documentary is because anybody who was anybody in wrestling had to go through Memphis first. And Jerry the King Lawler was the guy back then. And so we talk about it on this podcast feed. Cool. Let's get to what your match of the week was. Who did you think put on the best show in between the squared circle ropes? For me, I go to last night, MJF and Yuta. Like, those two can go. But <laughs> the one I'll say I had written down before seeing that last night from Rampage on Friday, Jamie Hayter and Willow Nightingale. Willow is a star. Like, I, I hate that they're having her versus Jade on Friday because my first thought seeing her get so over she could be the one to end the streak. We've talked about how they don't really have anyone in that locker room that would justify ending it. It should be her. But I hate that they're throwing her away on Friday because I don't see the streak ending at 1130 Eastern on a Friday night on Battle of the Belts 4. But Willow is a star, and she's a lot of well, fun to watch. It's funny how quickly that convinced because last week we were talking about, like, what's Willow doing on TV when, when Soraya had everybody come out? And, again, probably because of, you know, the hurricane and, and travel issues, like, and only five women came out, and Willow was one of them, and we're going – I don't know the last time I saw Willow on TV. Like, what is she doing? And you're right. She put on a great match, um, and, and the crowd was into it. 
100% into it uh, when, when she was wrestling Jamie Hayter. That being said, if you forgot how good MJF is in the ring, he's really damn good in the ring. And he's one of those guys because he's always wearing the suit coat or he's got something on. You forget how jacked he is. Like, he's a big dude, too. Like, you yeah. always kind of forget that he is this big guy and he, he put on a hell of a show. pounds of muscle. He made the most of his time Jesus. away. So, yeah, it's impressive. Looks so good. You know what I love about MJF is it's not always the same finish, you know, and to, to watch him against Wheeler Yuta, I mean, I, it, this is why he's on there so rarely. I mean, he, if he's on there every week, it's like, okay, just another wrestler with a big mouth. No, that guy, it's like, okay, I'll wrestle once a month, you know, once every three weeks, and boy, he was impressive. That match was impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wrestled for a long time. I guess the reason why I like that match so much this week is because so are we getting babyface, Max? The weird thing at the end of the match I where it's know. like they wanted to shake hands, but then something happened there, Gabe. Yeah, Stokely Hathaway had the firm come out and ruin everything. Was but then – What was – that's weird. Yeah. But then they also like uh, – was that a semi-tease for like William Regal to come back? Because he put on the brass knucks and came down to the ring like he was ready to punch MJF like – the whole thing seemed very strange and overbooked at the end. Please, Lord, let Regal come back again. Just one, <laughs> one last match against MJF. Oh, if he just had the, if he just could give you 15 minutes, Regal in the ring to stretch MJF, that would be so awesome. So awesome. Love to see that. But I was, uh, I was wondering about that. The, the, uh, the ominous handshake, it was there and then it didn't happen. Because um, usually by that time, MJF would have just flipped him off and just left. Right. Just walked down the ramp. But he didn't do that this time. What does that mean? Hmm. Why would he do that? Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you catch us. There's going to be plenty of other things that happen in this next week in the world of professional wrestling. And we will be here to talk about them all, especially next week. We will have that review of Extreme Rules coming your way Saturday night on Peacock. Of course, I'm sure somebody else is going to be getting into a fight in AEW, so we'll have to talk about that because that seems to be a weekly occurrence at this point. And, yeah, maybe I should just go have some candy and feel better about it. Make sure you catch us next week right back here live on GKW.